What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend, a debrief, and an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson, joining me in the host spotlight, the lovely Miss Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. Thank happy you. fall. Happy Reformation Day. What? Yes. Today is Reformation Day. You know it is Halloween, yeah. but we spiritual ones know it is. If it that's wasn't for Martin Luther oh, that's good. sparking the Protestant <laughs> Reformation, we would not be where we're They're at very today. Good. Very yeah, good. I mean, just think Spooky about it. Stuff. Like, we can read our Bibles. They, yeah. Like, they, the common folk were not even allowed to read their Bibles. The common folk. Yeah. So, like, we have access to the Bible and solid teaching on go. Christ. There's a lot of days out there. It's hard to keep track Thanks of what people Luther. celebrate and win. But mm-hmm. happy fall, everyone. Alicia, thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. You're awesome. You've yeah. heard him already. He's with us again, uh, Senior Pastor Mark Carey. Marky Mark! Happy Reformation Day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, guys, let's jump into a Sunday in review here. Uh, the last day of October, uh, we, we finished Acts, and now we're kind of revisiting it. There's a, a lot of stuff we really want to dive deeper into. So what I'd like to do is at least shall come your way first, uh, and then we'll hear from Mark a little bit. That This whole making sense of, of suffering uh, yeah. or some things that stood out this weekend. I think it, I mean, once again, Pastor Mark, I'm just so grateful to sit under your teaching because... You do such an excellent job of bringing the word to us and helping it apply to our lives. And um, and I always walk away with just such a bigger view of God um, after the service, from worship to the preaching, the whole package. And um, the, the, the stone cutter analogy was really, really powerful and i was i was thinking about that about it's not just an an individual um making that god's doing in in each of us it is it is individual but there's a much bigger picture and with us being in the quarry now the lord is chiseling us polishing us and forming us so that we could come together as a corporate holy temple. And I was thinking about those polished stones. When the when the final product is ready, you know, my husband, he was like, this is like a that like a pre a common day prefab home. And but when that is finally um, finished and every stone is in Every stone has value. We, you, it, the structure is not going to stand if one stone is removed. So it's not just an individual work that God's doing, but it's a corporate work that everybody is needed. And God's forming and fashioning everybody perfectly how he wants us to make us this beautiful temple. So I just, I, I just it clicked to me, mm. which I really appreciated. Well, and you, you alluded to it earlier. It gives you a bigger view of God. You leave with a greater sense of God and who he is. And and hopefully, along with that, the other side of the coin, a, a smaller view of self a mm-hmm. little bit. And okay, and, and a less of a, a me focus, which, which suffering does, I would argue, probably more than most other things. There's this me focus. How could this happen to me? What's going on with this? And before you know it, you, you find yourself wrestling with suffering, which is a good thing to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. But you're wrestling with it either for too long or in the wrong ways, and you're not acknowledging, okay, 
even my suffering is biblical. And, and that's the beauty of revisiting this stuff, going to the scripture and going, okay, God accounts for what I'm going through now with his word. And I, I just think that was uh, valuable this yeah. weekend. So Good. Yeah. With that in mind, Mark, I mean, you, you're revisiting these topics. You're, you're flipping through Acts. You're going, okay, what, where am I going to go with this? Uh, what, what do I want to elaborate on? Um, what was that process like for, for this topic? And it, it's a hard one. I think it's a controversial yeah. one too. Well, it is all throughout Acts. The early church was a suffering church from, from the get-go because uh, the founder of the church, the Lord Jesus, suffered. He was the suffering servant. The church is, is born in suffering. Um, uh, it, 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 um, it followed, suffering followed the church wherever it went. And Jesus had warned, in this world you're going to have tribulation. You're going to be taken before kings and you're going to be, you know, you're going to die, some of you, for, um, for the cause of God. Jesus didn't play games with us. I mean, he, he laid it all out very openly and very clearly. This is what's going to happen. And, um, and so we saw it. And, and when that one passage in, in Acts 14, 22, where as Paul is going back to these churches of Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, <clears throat> to encourage them, to um, appoint elders and, and encourage them in their faith to keep, how does this, does he do it? By just telling the truth through many tribulations. Mm -hmm. We'll enter the kingdom. Um, we, we, are in the, we are on a journey, a kingdom journey. Um, and it, it's not going to be completed until the Lord returns mm -hmm. and sets up that kingdom. But that journey is going to be paid for with tribulation and um, the early church knew it. We forget it, I think, in the comfort of this country. Um, obviously, as we talked about, the many of the believers that we work with and around the world, Nigeria and China and wherever else, I mean, mm -hmm. they know full well. They've never forgotten that fact. Yeah, We have. And we've gotten soft about it. We've gotten entitled, an entitled mentality. Uh, we are, in many respects, are a bunch of whiners, mm -hmm. the American church, because we, we, we feel like this shouldn't happen to us. I mean, if we want to if, if better ourselves, we can. If we want to better our circumstances, we can. We, you know, we, can, we can figure this out. We're the can-do mentality. And that's just not the way it is in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a good theology of suffering is something that the, the Western church, <clears throat> the church in America, needs to um, understand more, more of. Mm -hmm. But it's all over the book of Acts, and it's all over the, the New Testament. Yeah. And it's getting the right perspective of the suffering. And so that's why I ended up going to the First Peter 4 passage, Peter was the one who uh, preached it in Acts. He was the one who s experienced the suffering uh, in Acts. He, uh, he ultimately gave his life um, as a martyr um, for the cause of Christ, but he has a lot to say about suffering. And so I walked through that a little bit in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and then chapter 4 kind of sums it up. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in this flesh, no longer 
for the lesson men, but for the will of God. And so the bottom line is in that message, there's a there's a sanctifying mm -hmm. effect to suffering. There's mm -hmm. a purifying power to pain. And um and that's and that's good. So the suffering isn't good. I mean, Jesus was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Um it's not like you um get all giddy over the fact that we're suffering for the cause of Christ. Suffering is painful. It, 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 you don't, you don't want to go through it and you, you certainly don't want to see your family go through it and you don't want to see fellow believers go through it, but it's part and parcel of being a follower of Jesus mm -hmm. and you will have it. Uh, Paul wrote in Timothy, all those who desire to live God, are go to suffer. Yeah. So just accept it. But understand the purpose for it. Well, and yeah. I, I think it's you know Acts fourteen twenty two. Some people can read it and think, wait, is this saying you have to suffer in order to get into the kingdom of God? That's not what the text is saying. It's just saying that stuff's going to happen gonna on happen. the road to get there. But I also think it's worth talking about suffering. You allude to this idea of the the American church. We can study this stuff proactively, also in anticipation of what could happen over the next 20, 30, 40 years. I think oftentimes in the American church, you visit these texts or, or this topic once you are suffering. Mm -hmm. and, and and unfortunately, it's once you're suffering and you're out of answers. Oh, okay, well then maybe maybe God has something to say about it. But how can we all raise the value of knowing proactive knowledge here so that when it comes, I, I tell our youth downstairs all the time, that we want to build a spiritual deposit of these texts and God's word so that when life hits, you have it. Not, not, not the other way around. You don't want a reactive discipleship being the only facet of ministry. How can we know what he has said on these things so that through this we recognize what's happening to us instead of the other way around? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of those examples is through suffering. So suffering, it's real. It's personal. And mm -hmm. Paul, when he was writing the Corinthian church, uh, this kind of stood out to me. Um, this is in 2 Corinthians 1, and he's talking about the God of all comfort and how our, we share in Christ's sufferings, we share in, our, in comfort as well. And then starting in verse 8, he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death but that was to make us, okay, so here is the why. Why, I mean, they were like considering death was the next option. Why are they suffering? But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that Many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So they see that like th this suffering is so that they would rely on God. And then it is God who they hope in. And so that's, that's very practical in our, why, why are we suffering? Why are we going through this? And, and there's a purpose and it's to get us to God. Like he is our source. He is our power. And that's that's very practical in a very real moment. Yeah, and and sadly, 
we those real moments happen more than maybe we realize. Mm -hmm. We talk about maybe not suffering and having it on easy street in the United States, but <clears throat> um, our suffering is maybe looks a little different. Um, I mean, <clears throat> struggles with um, personal relationships, struggling, suffering with uh, family issues, str struggling with health issues, struggling with financial issues. I mean, the, the, we live in a messy world mm -hmm. and a fallen world, and there's going to be stuff that hits us all the time. The question for the believer is, what do we do with it? Yeah. What are we going to do with it? Um, that passage here in 2 Corinthians is, is, I think it was Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, said that suffering is either going to press us closer to the heart of God so that we trust him more, or it'll be what pushes us away. It's, it's what choices are we going to make? How are we going to view this? Going back to your point, if we're prepared ahead of time, we're, we're trying to strengthen these spiritual muscles, right. so to speak, mm -hmm. um, so that they don't atrophy in times of, of suffering or weakness mm -hmm. that, that, be, that, that we built into them, that these biblical truths. Um, but having said that, we don't like to talk much about suffering. Mm -hmm. we, we just don't like to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And um, the early church had to. Peter's writing to people who, um, uh, Nero is the emperor, and he was kind of, um, <clears throat> uh, he, was, he was, Nero in his early years was not overly a threat to Christianity until, I mean, he was a crazy guy, and and um, we know that later on, um, that's how Paul died, how Peter died, and he blamed the Christians on the fire in Rome and all those things. I mean, he, he did horrible things to Christians. And it was widespread. Um, uh, Peter's preparing the people who are scattered in different parts of the Roman Empire. And uh, like James had said, count it all joy. Um, Peter said the same thing uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1 about the, um, um, in this you greatly rejoice, count it all joy, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. Because the proof, the, the proof of your faith, that, that your, your, your faith is being tested, and it's being tried, and it's being found um, to be pure, it's purifying, it has a purifying, sanctifying effect. It's, that's more precious than gold, which is perishable. And even though tested by fire, you may be found in, it may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at when Jesus Christ is revealed. So there's a eternal perspective. Mm. Paul just states it there at the judgment seat of Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, throughout all the uh, of eternity, of how we serve the King based on how we have suffered here and and faithfully suffered. Um, how we suffered according to the will of God, following in the footsteps of Christ. That's a future blessing, but there's a present value too. It, if, you under, if we understand the reason why something is happening to us, and, and even though it might be something that we caused ourselves or by our own foolishness, our own stupidity, our own sinfulness, God turns that around and, and yes, there are consequences and we suffer mm -hmm. for it, but there, it's powerful. To, to learn from that and, and the sanctifying, it, 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 it's to draw us closer to the heart of God. And then those things happen in life that we have, we weren't expecting, it was no cause of our own, it just, it just 
it was some onslaught, whether from some evil people or circumstances of life. We are living in a messy world. It's a fallen world, and it, that stuff happens. And How we handle it. And we're, <clears throat> we're broken people. And you had mentioned in your sermon about us being broken vessels, and but the light of Christ manifesting through that. And it made me think about... Um, Again, in Second Corinthians, this is in chapter four, mm-hmm. um, the tre- the treasures and jars of clay. And I thought this is such a, a beautiful picture of life in Christ, uh, starting in verse seven. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, and we also believe. And then going down to verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So there's this life in Christ now, and there is the what is waiting for us then. And it's just, it's all been purchased to for us mm-hmm. by the blood of Jesus. So we don't lose heart. Be encouraged by that, yeah. that he has loved us that much that he has given us his life for now and his eternal life for eternity. And we can't even imagine the glory that's coming. Like we already, we get little glimpses, but what's coming is mm-hmm. like, we can't even fathom it. And that's, a, that's an awareness issue. Like we became aware at the moment of faith. Okay, I, I believe this Jesus guy actually did this for me. But we continue to learn about this God and, and start to realize he's got a, he has a lot in store and he's working through all this mess now and all of it is biblical and it, it, it's just easier to stomach and it's easier to process the more you learn about your Savior. Mm-hmm. I challenge our students and youth, what else do you believe about Jesus? You've articulated your your testimony, the gospel, what he did for you on the cross. That's incredible. It's the foundation of the whole shebang. What else do you believe about him? Do you know where he is and what he's up to? Do you know what's coming and what we are participating in now? And you start to see scripture connect with their lives and and so much so that it's proactive. And on a practical level too, when you think about the kindness of God in the process of sanctification, if you think of maybe one area that you've laid before the Lord over the years and just have asked him to help you and to change Mm. you and just to see his faithfulness, how he's done that. It doesn't happen, you know, (laughs) in a snap notice, but it's a, it's a process. It's a process of sanctification. But when you look back and see how he's changed, changed you and how he's molded you and the life that you're living in him by the power of his spirit, like that's just a little glimpse of, what heaven is going to be like. We're not going to have any sin. And he's conforming us into his image now. But one day we, we're we not going to have this, the, the baggage. We're not going to have the sin. And it's just like, 
you're such a good God to work in my heart now and in the heart of the believers around me. And you're molding us and you're making us and you're, you, you've got such a bigger purpose in mind for yeah. us. It's, there's something though that I would, <clears throat> I would prefer to get that, to, to get that perspective of the wonders of heaven. I mean, the, the incredible glory that awaits, as, as he says in 2 Corinthians 4. So give me something now. Give me some of the goodies now mm -hmm. and then tell me, you think you enjoy that? Well, wait, yeah. what's coming? But instead, oftentimes, he takes away the goodies mm -hmm. of suffering, Interesting. to yeah. suffer. Uh -huh. So why, why do that? I mean, it, it, give me the good stuff and then tell me I, there's so much more waiting. And now, he does that too. But suffering seems to be what he desires to use. And partly because I think we are so self-focused, you talked about it earlier, and we're so, so self-protective. I mean, the, the great sin in Genesis 3 that got this whole mess rolling was Satan saying to Eve, um, basically, God doesn't want you to eat of that fruit because he's holding on to you. Mm -hmm. There's something you don't have. Mm -hmm. And, and it could be better for you. And, and so it's a self-focus. Suffering, we go through something, the knee-jerk reaction, our default thinking is self-protection or why. I mean, so many Christians today, something bad happens and they blame God mm -hmm. or they, they blame their spouse. I mean, families that go through tragedy, loss of a child or whatever, the 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 percentage of families that go through divorce afterwards, even in Christian families, is astronomical. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Mm -hmm. what, what's lacking? A lacking is a theology of suffering mm -hmm. and, and a, an understanding and perspective of God. And so somehow God wants to use that still so that, as he said, again, in, in the passage from Sunday, 1 Peter 4, arm yourselves with that same mindset, that same attitude like Jesus had, who saw things properly, because he who suffered in the flesh and has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts and the desires of men. We have two options. We can either live for the desires and the lusts of men, or we live for the will of God, the desires mm -hmm. of God. Yeah. Those are the two choices. Yeah. And our default knee-jerk reaction to suffering is to live for the, I want what's best for me. I don't want to go through this. And when I am, I'm going to lash out. I get mad at the person that, who's doing this to me, the neighbor across the street, my boss who's doing that, my spouse who's a jerk, my kids who aren't obeying me. And, and you know, it's all me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. Versus who's, who's the object right. of our faith. And when you think about Job, he's a perfect example of this in that he was suffering of no purpose of his own. And... Satan was wanting to prove to God that Job was just using God for his blessings. And, and so God handed him over to Satan and, and to, a, to a certain extent. And um, in Job's unjust suffering, he was constantly crying out to God. His, the, God was his object of, of faith and his prayers were angry and gritty and raw and it just was um but he he was he never 
he never turned his back on God. He's because God was his object of faith. And in the end, we see the Lord um, vindicating Job and restoring his blessing and proving that Satan is a liar mm -hmm. and that Job, his affections were set on his Lord the entire time, even though he didn't know what was going on. And even though they were messy, angry prayers of to, towards God, um, he his relationship was with God. Right. He did not turn his back on him. And the greatest, the greatest benefit of Job's suffering was those final chapters where God said to Job, because Job was a righteous man, he had his focus on God, but the greatest benefit of it all is that he actually enlarged his perspective of God. Yes, yes. Were you right. there when the, mm -hmm. the earth was formed? Were you there? And Job says, I put my hand over my mouth. Mm -hmm. I, I, and he all of a sudden gained a greater perspective. And ultimately, that's what God wants. Right. He wants us to, to be able to trust him in all things, even in the hard things of life. And, and he will, so that he, we show him to be trustworthy mm -hmm. and he gets the glory then. And uh, so I, I mentioned in one of the services that really when it's all said and done, suffering is a form of God's grace. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a display of his grace in our life to be willing to allow us to not go after the desires of men, of men, the lusts of men, because that always leads to a dead end street that goes nowhere. To fulfill, I want this, I want this happiness, I want that, I don't want these bad things to happen. Those, that's my desire. That's the desires of men. The desires of the redeemed man should be, I want what you want. Right. I want, I want you. As Jesus said, yeah. not my will, but your, yours mm -hmm. be done. I want you. And um, so that, uh, you know, I was thinking, another whole sermon and a whole study, but I was thinking, what do you not include in a, in a message? But I was thinking back of James because there, there's very similar things with James. You know, like we already mentioned, James says, you know, count it all joy. Yeah. And he talks about the, the how suffering um, uh, proves our faith. It, it, it perfects our faith. And then James comes into chapter two and talks about how faith without works is dead. And he's not talking about heaven and hell and salvation, but he's talking about um, in the midst of life, as we put our faith into practice, as we take care of the widows and orphans in distress, as we take care of, uh, 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 we don't practice uh, uh, um, personal uh, betterment and self-focus and, and the things that James addresses, as we, as we live out the reality of our faith, that faith actually grows and is strengthened that when sufferings come now we can rejoice because we've been actually been putting our faith into practice mm -hmm. um so th th there's just so the the topic of suffering is so multi-dimensional mm -hmm. there's so many different dimensions mm -hmm. to it mm -hmm. that um you know one sermon is not enough one book is not enough on it um Probably one lifetime right. is not what I was enough thinking. <laughs> of it. But um, we need to embrace it. We need to become experts at it. A again, a good theology of suffering. We need to engage with other people through it and um, encourage one another with, with biblical perspectives of okay. suffering. We still weep with those who weep. We can rejoice with those who rejoice, but we are to weep with those who weep. 
Um, I, I tell you, when in, in Acts chapter 12, there's just a passing comment that Luke makes that James was killed mm -hmm. by Herod. Yeah. It was just a passing comment. But believe you me, the early church wept mm -hmm. when they heard that James had lost his life. They, they probably rejoiced uh, in the fact that he was home in heaven, but they wept over yeah. that fact. And um, there's the only joy in suffering is the joy that comes by the presence of the Holy Spirit in knowing these truths that there's something better and that God is forming something in us and it's drawing us to him. Yeah. He I mentioned Lewis, C.S. Lewis, you know, he shouts to us in our pain. It's the megaphone to arouse a deaf world. And what is, what is he trying to arouse in us? As you said, Alicia, it's about me. I see me in this. Yeah. Right. Because once you see me, well, now you're going to experience something about life and joy that you will have never experienced before. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing better. And I think even, I mean, take it even a step further, not just seeing God, but knowing him in it. Like there is a very relational aspect that God wants us. Like he, he is Emmanuel. He is with us. So not just seeing him, but knowing him through it. And like he sticks mm -hmm. closer than a brother. Yeah. So he the, is with you in the that. The footprints in the sand thing is there's some really <laughs> good truth of that, that sure. there's not one set and he's carrying me. Yeah, yeah. And so there's, and that's where, you know, the second Corinthians one, he is a God of all comfort mm -hmm. and not is, not only is he able to give you everything you need during that time, but he's there to comfort us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to comfort and counsel us through it. Mm -hmm. So they're like, let's not miss that relational aspect of suffering that I think God just, it's so near to his heart mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. us to be near to his heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's your experience in now with little Sammy, you've experienced it as a mom, I have as a, as a dad and, and a grandpa. Um, but those little kids, they get the boo-boo, they fall down, they're crying and they don't understand pain and they don't understand what's going on. But there, but there's something about just, okay, they, they'll run to mommy. Mm -hmm. Uh, if mommy's not there, daddy will do. And if mom and dad aren't there, <laughs> grandpa will do, <laughs> but somebody, but, 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 but they're there and, <clears throat> and they don't understand what's going on in their little one-year-old, two-year-old mindset. But there's there's comfort in that mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. with that person that they that they love. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a great picture. That's the metaphor of God as our father, mm -hmm. and Abba Father. Mm -hmm. It is. It's it's it 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 it's all about, and so will heaven and so will eternity. It's all about knowing him. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus said in John 17, whom to know is really life eternal. Yeah. It's That's the experience of eternal life that we can have. If going through hard things strips us away of trusting in other things and, and finding joy in other things that are now gone, okay, then so be it. That is grace so that we come to know him. But you know, again, I, if, if as a believing community, we're not calling each other to that, teaching each other, on these things, discipling each other, those things happen. And that's when people, they don't have that foundational, those truths. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free, free mm -hmm. from what? Free from pursuing the desires of, free from anger with God, free from um, 
not seen life in its proper perspective, free of death, the deadly consequences of suffering and sorrow and all those things. Um, so the Christian community we has to be about the work mm -hmm. of teaching truth and encouraging one another and run, running the race together. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Let's make sure a weekend service isn't isn't fractured from what's actually going on mm -hmm. in our lives, mm -hmm. so that when we are together, we're reminded of that. It's good stuff. Mark, thank you for being here, buddy. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it, Alicia. You're awesome. Uh, as a reminder to our viewers and listeners, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Just type in Sermon Spotlight. We pop right up. Uh, all the information uh, you could possibly want to know about FBC and what's going on in the coming months as we get close to Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that fun stuff can be found at fbcva.org. In fact, the matter, everybody, is it. Sunday services are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless. <laughs>